We are a nation of peacekeepers. For more than seven decades, Canadians have served in peacekeeping missions around the world. More than 125,000 Canadians have traveled to areas experiencing conflict and unrest. Places like Haiti, the Balkans, and the Sinai Peninsula. There, they've helped restore peace and security while facing extreme climates and dangerous conditions. Join us as veterans share their experiences as peacekeepers. We'll hear about their triumphs, struggles, and the human connections they've made. With courage, integrity, and loyalty, they've left their mark. The Democratic Republic of the Congo has experienced violence and unrest since 1960, shortly after it gained independence from Belgium, after 90 years of colonial rule. The first UN troops deployed to the Congo in the early 1960s. Eventually, a force of more than 20,000, including 300 Canadians, would serve there. While peacekeepers left the Congo in 1964, major unrest erupted again in the mid-1990s, followed by a violent coup and civil war in 1997. A second UN mission began in 1999. One Canadians continue to serve on today. Charles Hamel was one such Canadian. Following his family's rich tradition of military service, he served for 42 years in the Canadian Armed Forces. In 2003, he deployed to the Congo, following the footsteps of his father, who was part of the first UN mission 40 years before. We have a, a strong uh, lineage, uh, family lineage of, uh, of service. Uh, my father uh, was an infantry officer uh, with the Van Dues. Uh, I was named uh, after my uncle Charlie, uh, who served in the Second World War and uh, lost his leg. I joined uh, in 1973 and uh, went directly through a basic officer training and uh, served with the Royal Montreal Regiment and uh, later commanded the regiment in 1986. I spent uh, quite a few years working uh, off and on um, full time with the military. Uh, I was a reservist uh, and joined as a reservist. When Hamel deployed to the Democratic Republic of the Congo, he was already familiar with the region. Well, what I knew was um, my father was on the same mission, the same peacekeeping mission. In fact, it almost had the same title and has been continuous ever since 1961-62, when uh, the Congo had declared independence um, from Belgium. This was, I think, the second peacekeeping mission that the UN undertook. It was the largest then and is still the largest UN peacekeeping mission today. I did know uh, vaguely uh, what my father had done when he was there. So I did uh, have some background and some history. And of course, uh, who wouldn't want to go serve on the same mission as their father had served 42 years later, and then be able to communicate with one another and compare notes of the then and now. So it was, uh, it was something that I was really looking forward to. And, um, and I felt ready uh, to go as well. 
my father's uh, commanding officer in uh, in Korea, uh, his name was Colonel Tony Poulain, who was uh, a neighbor uh, of my father's. And uh, he was doing the same job that I was about to do. So I have a picture of him uh, in his office and a picture of myself in my own office. Then it was just a little black phone in the corner of the desk with an in basket and he was smoking a cigar <laughs> and me and a operational headquarters with all the bells and whistles and so on. So uh, he also uh, was uh, very, very interested in, uh, in what I was about to undertake. And we communicated for, I think, the first three months of my tour and then he passed away. And uh, I thought it was kind of fitting that when I ended the tour, I dedicated uh, my work and so on to uh, Colonel Tony Poulet. After arriving in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Hamel got down to work, hoping to help reduce the violence in the country. It got out of control uh, on the eastern uh, part of the country. So, you know, you remember the Romeo Dallaire and uh, his experience in Rwanda. Uh, eventually, you know, that led to the Hutus being pushed out of Rwanda and a large majority of them basically crossed across the border to the Congo. And what happened is uh, I ended up being deployed out of the capital over to the eastern part of the country uh, where all the um, violence was actually happening. End of August, early September, um, that's when uh, I was deployed out to the Ituri Brigade. And uh, right from the get-go, it was very chaotic. In fact, the very first evening uh, when I arrived and uh, was in a relatively safe house, it was being uh, attacked. And... Uh, <laughs> I, I can always vividly remember that uh, a soldier standing next to me fired his uh, rifle. So it just kind of caught me kind of like, holy, it's been a long time since <laughs> I've been that close to uh, a weapon firing. I had to uh, go up to a village called uh, Aru, A-R-U, that was in the northern part uh, of the, uh, the Great Lakes area. It was to be the northeastern tip of the Congo. And the reason why we were going up there is because uh, there was a warlord that was using uh, child soldiers. And he had claimed that uh, he was a good guy now and they had uh, demobilized all of those child soldiers. Uh, here we are in the compound going into uh, his kind of headquarters and everybody is armed to the teeth, except for uh, a couple of military observers unarmed, like myself and my French colleague. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the first thing we did was scout out that room and find out what is the nearest exit in, in case that everything did go south. Thankfully, it did not. But when we exited, there was this um, very large platoon of children that were formed up in three ranks. And basically what it was showing is they were all dressed in civilian, they were not armed and they were just kids. Anyways, uh, as we're chatting away, I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder if these are truly child soldiers or is this just some kind of, a, uh, you know, a propaganda uh, ploy. Uh, so I asked Commander Jerome if I could have one of his guards, AK-47s. And I handed the weapon over to a young lad uh, that was in the front rank of these platoons. And uh, I could talk to them <laughs> because I spoke French, but I spoke to this young lad and I asked him if he could uh, uh, take the weapon apart and put it back together again. And uh, without hesitation, he stripped and reassembled that AK-47 promptly. So in my mind's eye, these were actually uh, child soldiers. Now, had they actually been demobilized and were no longer, they were reintegrated back into the, the villages and the communities from which they were recruited? No, I don't think so. I was not convinced at all. In fact, all of my records, pictures, and uh, journal entries of that visit were handed over to the International War uh, Tribunal uh, because it was alleged that uh, he had committed war crimes. While serving in the Congo, Hamel kept in touch with his colleagues, friends, and family by emailing them pictures. I sent, uh, probably every second day or so, uh, a picture and uh, an article as to what the picture depicted and what's going on in the Congo. And uh, I ended up setting a um, hundred of them. And they were called Photo du Jour, Picture of the Day. And the distribution list that I had on there uh, and the audience that I wrote to was very broad. So, you know, it would go to uh, my thesis advisor at the University of Calgary in the Center of Military Strategic Studies. And they would post that on the bulletin board uh, so that all the students that were, the post-grad students that were part there would, uh, would uh, be up to speed as to what's going on in that part of the world. And they were just very grateful. Uh, the other group, of course, was my, uh, my peers in the military. But to this day, so few Canadians actually know what the hell is going on on the largest peacekeeping mission uh, on the planet that has 8 million killed since 1998. It's called Africa's First World War. And so little is known about uh, the travesty that's going on in that part of the world. And with that, 
I'd like to thank you for listening to the Peacekeepers edition of the Faces of Freedom podcast. Subscribe and check out previous seasons through your favorite podcasting app. If you have a suggestion, whether it's a guest or a story, you can reach us at Canada Remembers on Facebook and Instagram and at Veterans Affairs Canada on Twitter. Use the hashtag Canada Remembers and tell us what you think. If you're looking to dig even further into the stories of Canadian veterans, we have a wide selection online at veterans.gc.ca. Thanks for joining. Until next time.